This is On The Left Side, The Funny Football Show. Argentina, the mighty Argentina, are fallen here in Nizhny Novgorod and they are going to have to do some now to stay in this World Cup. Hello there, it's time to take a running kick at football whilst it lies injured on the floor and hope the referee doesn't notice. I'm Jim and we're going to have a whiz through the last few days of news and action from the World Cup finals in Russia. Make sure you subscribe to this podcast by clicking the button in your app or in the Apple Podcast Store and you'll get the next show as soon as it's ready. Plus, now you can watch the show too. Head over to YouTube and search on the left side or just find all the links you need, including the subscription link at ontheleftside.co.uk. But do that in five minutes time because we've got football to talk about. Let's go. We're already in week two of the World Cup finals, and it's fair to say there have already been some shock results. The likes of Germany, Argentina and Brazil have found the going a little tougher than maybe they expected, whilst Russia, a team that wasn't even expected to get out of the group stages, has managed eight goals in two games and become the first team to reach the last 16. Does anyone else think it's slightly strange that in 2017, Russian athletes across the globe faced a blanket ban after state-sponsored doping was uncovered, and now, a year on, the Russian football team are managing a goal every 16 minutes in the World Cup? Yeah. Fuck. No, you're right. Sure, they're totally unconnected. It's no surprise that some of the big boys aren't finding the form they thought they'd find, however, when they have such big egos to contend with, France being one. They hardly looked at the races when they struggled to a 2-1 win over Australia last week. And I'm sure that wasn't helped by Antoine Griezmann's decision to turn the pre-match spotlight onto himself and his future club decisions. In the 24 hours before the game, the Atletico striker released a 25-minute film with the hashtag LADDECISION to announce the exciting news that there was no news at all and he would, indeed, be staying in Spain next season. 25 minutes of non-action. It was like watching Uruguay versus Saudi Arabia. Apparently, as with any good TV drama, he even made two versions. One saying that he was staying and one saying that he was going. So there weren't any nasty spoilers. Why stop there? What about making a third version where in the final scene you get eaten by a zombie and replaced with another footballer who isn't an attention-seeking bellend? Let's just hope that this is a one-off event. I don't think I can cope with any more. I can just about deal with the elongated, over-the-top new signing videos we get every transfer window, but I don't need to be watching a 30-minute mini-documentary just to find out that Troy Deeney has signed a one-year contract extension at Watford. If you get to know Troy, I'm chilled, man. I'm a mummy's boy. The biggest shock of the tournament so far, however, was that England won their opening game of a major tournament for the first time in 20 years, beating Tunisia 2-1, and in the process, getting the flag-waving, Brexit-loving red tops in a lava about a proper English hero, Harry Kane, and his untattooed legs. Bet he doesn't have breakfast after losing a game either, eh? To be fair, you can't really knock two goals in any World Cup game, and it was certainly a captain's performance from our Harry, even if the most baffling man in football punditry, Paul Merson, doesn't agree. I thought he was poor. You know, he scored the two goals, but 
they need Harry Kane to hold the ball up, get involved and bring other players into the game. And I don't, I don't think he did that yesterday, but I'm thinking more ahead to, you know, the knockout stages. Just to clarify, Merce, you're having a pop at Harry for the way he might play in the latter stages of the tournament if England eventually get that far. Why don't we just kick him out of the team now in case he misses a penalty in the semi-finals? Actually, that sounds like a really shit plot line for Back to the Future 4. I'd say that maybe Paul Merson can see into the future, but having seen his previous match day predictions, it's pretty obvious that he can't. Thankfully, England's good work on the pitch has been balanced by the ridiculousness off it. Firstly, Gareth Southgate. He is the first name on England's injury list after dislocating his shoulder whilst out running through the Russian woodland, presumably trying to answer that age-old question as to where bears shit. Although I expect he was probably just trying to prepare his team for more of those WrestleMania-style body slams they received versus Tunisia. Either that, or Sergio Ramos was lying in wait for him in the Russian countryside. Secondly, the team have been preparing for the big game against Panama by dicking about an inflatable unicorns in the hotel swimming pool. There are some truly iconic moments in England's World Cup history. Gazza's tears, Bobby Moore swapping shirts with Pele, Beckham's face as he's sent off against Argentina. And now we have Jesse Lingard straddling a giant inflatable unicorn. God bless England. Thankfully, it's not just the current crop of players who are embarrassing themselves, however. The alumni are having a good crack too. Last time out, I was singing the praises of the punditry during the World Cup. Obviously, when I was saying that, I wasn't talking about Phil Neville. P-Nev was, in one of those one-show-esque segments that have nothing to do with football, roped into trying some traditional Russian cuisine on the match of the day sofa. And it ended badly. Phil, we know you're a man of huge cultural proportions, so we thought there are three borshes here in the studio. You've got ABC, I'd like you to just have a little sip of each one. Or do you have a oh. sip bowl just in case? Yeah. Yep. <laughs> Nice. He likes eight. That's nice. <laughs> <laughs> oh, he's gone. <laughs> no. What is it about modern day footballers and spitting, eh? At least you know how we all feel, Phil. We find most of your footballing opinions pretty hard to swallow. Best thing to come out of your mouth in ages. That is it. Everything you need condensed into a few short moments of your time. It's the same thing I tell the wife. It's better that way. There'll be more like this very soon. So if you liked it, click subscribe and share the show with your mates as well, because we will be back. Bye. On the Left Side is written and produced by Ant McGinley and Jim Salverson. <laughs>